One of the things that I believe all of us have in common is that all of us on some level, in some way, deal with this thing called worry. And I have things that I worry about. For example, um, I speak for a living. That's what I do. And, uh, and people around my age, I'm 52, people 10 to 15 young, years younger, older, y'all get my humor. Like, you get it. Like, dad jokes are funny to me. God, I read one last night. I couldn't stop laughing. Horse walks into a bar. Bartender says, hey. Horse says, yes. <laughs> See, I think that's funny. I think that's funny. But if you're in middle school, high school, you're like, that's not funny. And so I am, I am trying my best to figure out how to communicate with middle schoolers, high schoolers, college, Gen Z is what they call. And so in my research this week, I found the Gen Z Bible. I have checked this for theological accuracy and it is really accurate. So, so for all you Gen Zers, middle school, high school, college, you're going to love this. You may have to explain it to your parents or your grandparents when you leave, but, but this has helped me with my worry. I just wanted to share this with y'all. Y'all ready for this? Yeah, probably not. <laughs> this is the story about when the angel showed up and told Mary that she was going to have Jesus out of the Gen Z Bible. Mary was a pick-me girl for God and was simping for him in prayer. When the angel Gabriel appeared to her and said, Ayo, you're real, and the top G is feeling you. But she thought his compliment was sus and gave him the side eye. So he said, baby girl, chill. God sent me to tell you that you've passed his vibe check and low key, he wants you to have the main character. You will name him Jesus and they will all say he's him. This is my favorite part. She said, how can this be since I promised him my body count will always be zero? <laughs> Respectfully. <laughs> he said, this ain't about cuffing season. For the Holy Spirit will live rent free in you and your boy Jesus will be a divine bro. Beside, your cousin Elizabeth is with child, she who is already older than a boomer and whose husband is way past his beekeeping age. So Mary said, bet. <laughs> Gabriel left her on red and she let the Holy Spirit cook. Is that good? I spent over an hour Googling what certain words meant so I could make sure I was not cussing, and which it's not a big deal. Anyway, so I, I worry, you worry, we, we all worry about things, and some of those things we can laugh at, but some of them aren't so funny because there are people here today that, that you literally are carrying worry with you. Now, let me tell you why um, that's a big deal. If we let worry 
just kind of fester and we don't deal with it, it leads to anxiety. And anxiety is nothing more than a constant state of worry. There's a difference between being worried about something and being anxious over it. And then if we don't deal with anxiety and we let it go undealt with for a long time, that ultimately leads to depression because we start feeling there's nothing we can actually do about what we're worried about. And if we let depression go undealt with for an extended period of time, that will ultimately lead to despair. And nothing good happens in that spot. So I thought, what if we just did an entire series on the subject of worry? And let me push the pause button here and tell you, next week, I'm more excited about next week. If I almost preached next week's sermon today, but I felt like, no, I'm really... I'm actually prepared for today. But next week, you cannot miss next week. And for those of you watching online that can get here, you gotta be in the room for this one, I promise. It's, whoo, commercial over, back to the message. So, so I wanted to deal with the subject of worry. I wanted, to, I wanted to kick worry in the face for the next five to six weeks. And so that's what we're gonna do. Now, I'm not telling you if you show up, then your worry will go away. But I am telling you, that if we'll take God's word and apply it to our lives, that five to six weeks from now, you will have way less worry in your life. I promise. And if not, get your money back. <laughs> we're gonna start out, I wanna read a passage of scripture, but, but we're gonna start out with a statement and we're gonna build the statement throughout the message so it's not one complete statement. And if you're incredibly type A that bothers you a little bit, but you'll understand why when I get done with it, why I couldn't just give the whole statement at first. Here we go. If you're taking notes, write this down and don't click your pen during the message because if you do, you go to hell. All right, here we go. <laughs> no matter what has happened to me in my past, that's the first part of the statement. There is no one in this room, no one watching online that has a perfect past where nothing bad has happened to you. So we're gonna start out with that statement. No matter what has happened to me in my past. And for the next six weeks, we're gonna be in the book of Daniel. And Daniel chapter one is kind of fascinating. Let me give you a couple verses and then describe what was happening to and around Daniel on like a 30,000 foot level. Here we go. Um, the Bible says in Daniel chapter one, verse one, during the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar, which <laughs> that guy couldn't spell his name in kindergarten, but King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Now this is, this is bad. When a city was besieged, they would, they would be surrounded by an army. Nothing could get out, nothing could go in, food, water, gone. I mean, people would starve to death. It is, some of the description of cities being besieged in the Bible and in ancient history are just brutal to read. So this is a bad situation. Like nobody wants to go to this city. Nobody wants to go to a city when it's being besieged. And the, and the Bible says in verse two, the Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. And, th and it goes on to say, so Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure, uh, treasure house of his God. Let me, so let me push the pause button here and Fill everybody in on what's happening. When Israel started as a nation, they, they had kind of, think about it as two hands. They had, they had God and government. And God and government held hands. 
when they started. We have their founding documents. Um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's, their, that's, that's how, how they base their society on. And, and the government leaders didn't make a decision without getting, like going to the word of God and consulting the prophets. And then the prophets didn't try to lord it over the kings and tell them what to do, that it was a partnership between God and government. And it worked very well until it didn't. Ultimately, some of the government leaders, I know this is gonna be really hard to believe because we've made so much progress over the past 2,000 years, but there were government leaders in Israel that said, we don't really need God in government. We can do this without God. And so they pushed God out, kind of like a separation of church and state type thing. And they started running their government without God. Now, what's funny about man and woman is we were designed to worship. And if we don't worship God, we will worship false gods. And so they started worshiping two main false gods. And we talked about this last year in a series, but I'll just do a brief review. Baal and Asherah is who they started worshiping, the Israelites, instead of the one true God. Baal was the God of money and power, which Aren't you glad America doesn't worship those two things? And also, Baal was also the god of climate. You can't make this stuff up. Asherah was the goddess of sex. Aren't you glad we don't have a sex problem in America? And, by the way, just side note, Asherah was transgender. She could show up as male or female depending on which situation you needed her to show up in. And in a true Asherah worship, if you went to the temple, um, boys would become eunuchs and girls would, would try to, and would begin to dress up as boys just to be the opposite sex and they were worshiping the goddess of Asherah. Huh. Aren't you glad we've made so much progress in the past 2,000 years? Now, God, and there, like, there are so many prophets in the Old Testament that God sent to Israel saying, don't do this. Don't, do, please stop. Come back to me. Repent, turn from your sins. Come back to me. I love you. I want to forgive you. You don't have to live like this. Over and over and over again, God was coming to them and they kept ignoring him. So God finally said, you know what? You want to go down that road? I'm going to let you feel the consequences. See, some people get mad at God, like, God, how could you let this happen to me? I've seen people, I've talked to this one guy, bless his heart, I can say anything now, bless his heart, but he got, he got a DUI and we were talking about it. He was like, Pastor B, how could God let that happen to me? And I said, well, let's, let's back up for just a second. Did God like hold you down and put a funnel in your mouth and pour Jose Cuervo into your body? No, well, maybe God just let you, you know, I told him, I, uh, whoa, I, I told him, I said, I said, maybe you got a DUI because if you hadn't got that DUI, you'd have ran into a tree and be dead. I mean, sometimes we got to thank God for the things that we thought were intended to hurt us. God actually was using it to rescue us. I don't know who that was for, but that just felt like necessary. God, God, God said, you want to do, you want, by the way, this is where I want to pause real quick. <laughs> I had somebody tell me, um, just 
probably about two or three months ago in the first timers area. I said, how'd you enjoy church? He said, I enjoyed it, but I sure do wish you'd keep politics out of it. I said, I, I told him, I said, man, I, I'm so sorry, but when Jesus saved me, he saved me. He saved every part of my life, including my mind. And my mind is supposed to be renewed on a daily basis and think godly thoughts. And I think that my mind is, is stronger because Jesus lives in me. And if Jesus doesn't affect my politics, then Jesus doesn't affect my whole life. And that's not what being a Christian is about. I don't think he's been back. But I'm just, I'm just saying, for those of you, for those that don't think that Jesus wanted anything to do with politics, let's just... Do me a favor. For those of you that know it, let's just say the Lord's Prayer together because I'm gonna point out something. Here we go. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Where? On where? Earth, huh? Your kingdom come on earth. So Jesus talked, but Jesus don't want anything to do with politics. Huh. Just, we're gonna have to stop saying the Lord's Prayer then, aren't we? That was for free. All right, here we go. So I'm just, I'm just saying, this was a, can we all agree this was a bad situation for everybody involved to be in a city that's taken over by a foreign um, empire? Now watch this, this is where it gets crazy. Um, then the king, then the king ordered Aspenaz, which if you're looking for a baby name, I'm sure that one's not taken, his chief of staff to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family, watch this, um, and other noble families, <laughs> my people, we're in the Bible. So who had, who had been brought to Babylon as captives, watch this, select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. So that's three strikes for me, I'd have been out. He said, make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. Watch this, the king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. That's very important. That's very important. Because, push pause button here. At first, you would say, well, Daniel got taken captive and that's bad. But he gets food from the enemy king, so that's good, right? Anytime the enemy offers us something, there's always strings attached and it's not good. We can't play with sin and not suffer the consequences. I'll say it, somebody gets upset every time I do this, so I'm gonna do it again on purpose. Because I read this morning, this morning, about somebody stupid that died. You shouldn't say so. No, this guy was stupid. I read, about, he went to a zoo. True story, I read about it this morning and decided he wanted to take a selfie with a lion. The zoo attendant told him, you shouldn't do that. But no, homeboy hopped the fence to take a selfie with a lion and the lion ate him. I don't feel bad. You feel bad? No, he was stupid. Don't, don't get in the cage with the lion. Can we all agree? Yes. Don't play with sin sends the lion that will maul you while you're trying to get a selfie with it. You ever taken a selfie with sin? Oh, that's personal right there. Okay, I'll just move on. We'll talk about that next week. Where are we at? Y'all got me off track. They were trained for three years and they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen 
all from the tribe of, of Judah. Now, this is where you're gonna know him from if you got a Bible background. This is where you're gonna know him from. This is where you're gonna know him from, watch this. Um, the chief of staff renamed them with these names, Babylonian names. Um, Daniel was called Belshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. And Azariah was called Abednegoat. I mean, I'm sorry, Abednego. <laughs> so everything in Daniel's life had fallen apart. Daniel had seen a foreign army invade his country, take over his city. He had more than likely seen friends and family members killed right in front of him. He had been marched across two deserts and relocated to Babylon, modern day Iraq, Iran. They had changed his clothes, they changed his language, they changed his name. There was, these, these situations were completely out of his control. So no matter what has happened to you, no matter what has happened to me in my past, here's the first part, or here's the, here's the next part, here we go. Whether it was something bad that I did, whether it was something bad that I did, giving y'all time to write it down. Confession time. How many people in this room would tell the truth and shame the devil right now and say, Pastor P, I have done something stupid at least once in my life. Just, yes, praise God, we should count those salvations. <laughs> now I'm not gonna ask what because that could cause problems, right? Because some of y'all are like, we, we drove our stupid decision to church this morning. We, find out, we live in our stupid decision. Somebody might be gotten in a fight and you're like, I'm sitting next to my stupid decision right now. And so and it, don't look, don't point, don't elbow. I'm just saying that, that, that most of us, if we're honest, probably all of us, but most of us, we got something in our past that it just won't die. And it seems to kind of rear its ugly head every time we're getting victory. And, and here's, the thing, here's the thing that ties it into worry. There are people in this room right now, today, that when it comes to your past, your biggest worry is, am I really forgiven? Isn't it funny that we'll pray for forgiveness for the same thing for 20 years? There are people right now worried about your relationship with Jesus because of something you did in your past. And I want you to know that Jesus's blood is more powerful than your past. And when he paid for your sin, he paid for it all. You don't have to worry about what has already been paid for. Amen? So, so for those of us that have done, now I'm not talking about what we're doing today, I'm talking about in the past. In the past. Or here's the second part. And this is, this is Daniel had to kind of suffer through this. Um, or whether it was something bad that was done to me. Now, I've told this story before, but I got to tell it again because this really did happen. And it was one of the best examples I could think of. I took Karis when she was a little girl to the Greenville Zoo. And if, you've been, if you're here and you've never been to the Greenville Zoo, they pretty much have a lion, a tiger, and a, tiger and a bear. Oh, my. And so we, went, we were over there at the Greenville Zoo and... I was just, it was a, it was a warm day. It, the sun was out. The birds were singing. 
I decided to buy some ice cream, a little ice cream cart. I got Carousel ice cream. I got me my ice cream. We're walking along. We're having just the best time. And I got blindsided on this side of the face with a rock. The rock was about the size of my hand. And it hit me in the side. It, it kind of knocked me this way. And uh, <laughs> I said a word out loud that's not in the Bible. <laughs> said it three times just to emphasize it. And I turned around because, listen, I'm saved and I'm going to heaven, but I'm probably going to the south side of heaven, if you know what I'm saying. Like, I'm... <laughs> Pray with me, don't play with me. That's, I, am, I am ready to punch somebody in the throat. I am, I am poised, I am ready, because I didn't see it coming. I don't know if you've ever been blindsided. I didn't see it coming. Rock, side of the face. I turned around. It's an eight-year-old boy. So I just tore his tail. I didn't, I didn't. I, 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 I stared at him because he was staring at me and he had another rock in his other hand. I'm like, dude, at least drive, you need to learn to lie. Come on. I said, I said, did you hit me in the face with a rock? He went. I said, where's your mom and dad? He said, they're not here. I said, who are you here with? He said, my grandma. I said, let's go find your grandma. I marched his little tail down. We found his grandma. She said, hey, how are you doing? I said, I'm great, except for the fact your grandson hit me in the side because I'm bleeding. I said, he said, hit me. She said, he did. I said, yeah. She tore his tail up, and I sat there and ate my ice cream and enjoyed every minute of it. <laughs> no, I did. I did. Now, that's my story, and we can laugh about it today, but there are people in this room, and the reason we carry worry with us is because we got blindsided. We didn't see it coming. Like, you didn't see the cancer coming. You didn't see the divorce coming. You didn't see the sexual abuse coming. But it happened. And every once in a while, it just starts. And let me just pause on the sexual abuse thing. I got molested when I was a kid. I know the pain that that brings, but I also know, somebody needs to hear this, that Jesus can and will heal you. He can and will. He does incredible jobs healing people. But it doesn't take away the fact that it happened. And there are people in this room that we carry that worry because if it happened before, what if it happens again? And it weighs us down. So what do we do? Well, no matter what has happened to me in my past, whether it was something I did or something that was done to me, this is what I want us to walk away with today. I will choose to trust in God and do the next right thing. I will choose to trust in God and do the next right thing. Now, somebody here might have a question. Pastor, what's the, what's the next right thing? Well, it's different for everybody in the room. We're going to talk about some possibilities. But no matter what has happened in the past, 
whether, whether we did it or whether it was done to us, we're going to trust in God and do the next right thing. And that's what Daniel does. And this, what he does, if we're not, t- if we're, if we're not careful, we'll just read right over it. But I want to point this out because it is such a bold stand for God. Watch this. This is, this is insane. Verse eight, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to, him, given to them by the king. Now let me pause real quick. Because on the surface, we're thinking, well, if the king is making some food, it's gotta be good if it's coming from the king's kitchen, like got some steaks. This is specifically the steak and the wine. And, and Daniel's like, I'm not gonna, I can't do a thing about the fact that my government went sideways. I can't do a thing about the fact we got invaded. I can't do anything about the fact that the army lost. I can't do anything about the fact that I was taken captive. I can't do anything about anything that's happened in my past. But from this point right here, I can make the choice not to eat the king's food or drink the king's wine. Now, why was this such a big deal? Because you would think, no, that's the good stuff. Eat it, drink it, be happy. But in Babylon, if food came out of the king's kitchen, specifically the meat and the wine, it was taken into the temple or the temples of false gods that the Babylonians worshiped. They would offer it as a sacrifice to the false gods, and then they would bring it to the people that served in the king's administration. So when you ate that food and you drank that wine, you were literally worshiping other gods. It was an act of worship. And Daniel said, I can't do a thing about what has happened to me, but I can trust in God and do the next right thing. And the next right thing is to say no. And now there are some, for us in following Christ, there's some areas that are kind of open-handed and there's some areas that are close-handed. There's some, like, for example, I had somebody ask me the other day, can a Christian drink? meaning alcohol. And I'm like, I don't know. Can, can, can you, can you drink it? Can, can you have a glass of wine with a steak and enjoy a good glass of cab salve or whatever you drink or, and, and just have that one, maybe two glasses and, and stop right there. If so, go for it. I think that's great. But like, if you drink a glass of wine and within an hour, you got a lampshade on your head, singing Garth Brooks songs with no clothes on. <laughs> probably, probably not. See, there's some things, there's some things that are, and then there's some things that are clear, right? Like I've told, I've told y'all before, I've never done drugs. I've dealt drugs, it's a different story, but I've never sold, it's true, but I've never, I've never taken drugs. And so let's say as I'm leaving, somebody approaches me and says, yo, Pastor P, um, so you've never done heroin? No. Your first hit's free. You want some? See, I don't have to be like, hold on, let me, let me make a list. Pros, cons. Pros, next 30 minutes will be awesome. Cons, get fired again. Nah. Like, I don't have to do that. Because I know that that's not, that's not the right thing to do. That would be sinful. That would be wrong. Daniel knew very clearly that in the Old Testament, it was forbidden to worship other gods. For him to eat this food would have been a sin. 
So he said, no, I'm gonna do the next right thing and I can't do anything about what has happened to me in the past, but from this point forward, I can do the next right thing. Now that's a strong statement to make. And watch how it turns out. It's so, it's so neat how God works in the details. He asked the chief of staff for permission not, not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. Pause. Don't you love how God works in ways that we don't see him working? Like Daniel didn't know that, but God's working in the background. They, I promise you, if you will pause and look back over your life the past five, 10, 15 years, you'll be like, oh my gosh, he was there all the time, that he was doing that. He was do you did, we couldn't see it at the time, but looking back, we can see him very clearly, right? Isn't that great? So I love that. So watch this. But he responded, I am afraid, fear of man. By the way, fear of man always leads to worry, always. I posted that picture. It didn't get enough likes. I'm gonna take it down. Fear of man. I had somebody call me one day. <laughs> they said, why'd you stop following me on social? I said, huh? Why'd you stop following me? I said, I didn't stop following you. So they sent me a screenshot. I said, Perry Noble, stop following you. I said, oh, I don't know. I probably, I don't know how to unfollow. I, had to, I went back in, I said, my bad. Now, I didn't follow them again because they were being a baby about it. I'm just saying, that's just a, that's a fear of man issue, right? If you have time to track who unfollows you on social media, that's fear of man. Woo. Did y'all feel that? Got tense in here. But he responded, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king, who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid, there's that phrase again, that the king will have me beheaded, which would obviously suck, right? Nobody wants to get beheaded. So he's like, Daniel, I would love to help you out, but man, I don't want to lose my head over it. And watch what Daniel does. Daniel's so smooth. Watch this. Daniel... Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Watch this. Daniel spoke with. He didn't yell at. What, what if, as Christians, we were known by the way we love one another and by the way we treat other people well? What if we were, what if we were known as those people rather than the idiot that stands on the corner with a sandwich board draped over him with a megaphone yelling at people that are going to hell? That's just, can we all agree? Somebody, oh, that's my cousin. Well, tell him to shut up. He's getting on everybody's nerves, just trying to pump my gas, all right? Verse 12, please test us for 10 days. Hold on. For how many days? 10. Huh. Wonder why 10? Anyway, let's keep going. It's probably just there for coincidence. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. And I'm sure Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was like, do what? <laughs> Daniel was like, don't worry about it because this is what I believe. Now, I can't prove this, but this is what I believe. I believe they were in Southern Babylon. And in Southern Babylon, mac and cheese is a vegetable. <laughs> Amen? Hey, you go to Cracker Barrel? Today, hash brown casserole comes on the vegetable plate. Hello. So, so it's not all bad, but he said, hey, test us out for 
How many days? Huh, I got that. Good, here we go, watch this. Um, and at the end of, said it again. He said it again, didn't he? 10, one of that has it. Anyway, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. Okay, we got it. 10 days. Here's the deal. Daniel made a personal decision to trust in the power of God. In spite of his past, in spite of what he had done, in spite of what had been done to him, he said, I'm going to trust in the power of God so much so that he put it all on the line for 10 days and said, hey, come back and evaluate in 10 days. Now, real quick survey. How many people in this room have relocated to the South from somewhere else in the United States? Just raise your hand. Okay, lots of people, lots of people. Okay, I want to help you all real quick. Um, it's it's uh, February 18th, February 18th, and it's supposed to get up to 70 next, next week. Next week, summer's not here. We will have one more brutal, I'm talking below 50, okay? That's, that's, that's brutal for, and it's, it, some of the worst snows that I've ever seen have been in March. Now, if, you're, if you've relocated from the south, from up north, and it snows more than two to three inches, Anderson will shut down and freak out. And they will tell you, they'll come on television and they'll tell you, stay off the roads, if you're from up north, I want you to listen to me. Stay off the roads. Here's why. Because all northerners go, I can drive in the snow. No, you can't. Not in the south, you can't. Let me tell you why. Because the state of South Carolina has one snow plow. And we don't know where it is. We, we have no idea. We have no idea. <laughs> Our roads are not equipped. And second thing is southerners will actually try to drive in the snow and we can't. We will wreck, we will crash. And so if you're from up north and you go out, you try to drive in the snow, you're going to get stuck, you're going to flip over, but don't worry. If you get stuck, just get out of your car and wait. I promise you this will happen. Within 10 minutes, two or three guys and a pickup truck will be there. Bob, Billy Ray, and Jimmy Joe, okay? And they are, they look like ZZ Top. They haven't shaved since 1972. They got a flannel. These are men's men. And they're gonna ask you a very stupid question. They're gonna ask you a stupid question. And I'm telling you it's stupid, but don't call them stupid because they also have been preparing for an invasion. And, and they have, so they're gonna look at you and they're gonna look at your car and they're gonna go, stuck. This is what you say. Yes, and I'm not sure that you can help. They will, they will take their four-wheel drive truck. That is not a standard four-wheel drive truck. This truck has been jacked up, juiced up. I mean, it, they will take your car and pull it out of a 15-foot gully. Buy, change your tires and your oil and wash it for free, right there. And then... Ask them, do you think, your, you think your truck is powerful enough 
to get my car. They will, t- they will tell you, boy, I tell you what, right? I tell you what. <laughs> my truck could pull Florida off the United States if I wanted to. I tell you what. <laughs> tell you what. By the way, when they say, I tell you what, they're not going to say anything after that, so don't expect. I tell you what, don't go, what? <laughs> I'm trying to say is rednecks believe in the power of their trucks, right? A true redneck, they believe in the power of their trucks. And I just started thinking, man, what if Christians believed in the power of God the way rednecks believed in the power of their trucks? <laughs> and, and listen, make it personal. What if you believed in the power of God for your life. See, it's easy to believe in the power of God for other people. But what if you, Pastor Pete, you don't know who I am and you don't know my story. And you're right. But I'll tell you what I do know. I do know that in Christ, I am enough. And I've got what it takes. You have what it takes to do the next right thing. See, Daniel had no idea. Daniel, when he made this decision not to eat the king's food or drink the king's wine, he had no idea. Nobody sat him down and said, Daniel, here's the deal. If you do this, one of these days, there's gonna be a book in the Bible named after you. People are gonna name their children after you and you're gonna have your own character on veggie tales. Daniel, you gotta do it, man. Daniel had no idea. Daniel had no worry-free guarantee that this was gonna work out. He just knew it was the next right thing. So he did it. Here we go. Here we go. Um, at the end of 10 days, huh? At the end of how many days? Do you get the feeling that for some reason the author of Daniel wants us to get the number 10? Yeah. Me too. At the end of 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. Isn't that crazy? And this is true. Agree or disagree? No, I'm not gonna ask that. I'm not gonna ask agree or disagree because this is true. You can look at certain people and tell certain things about them. Not, not in a judgmental way. I remember being on vacation one time and I went in the gym and I like going in the gym. I kind of feel like I'm in pretty good shape. And this dude walked into the gym and homeboy was just chiseled, <laughs> ripped, like muscles on muscles, had a smirk on his face. I was like, I like this guy. <laughs> the guy next to me, I didn't know him, walked up to him and said, hey buddy, do you work out? <laughs> no, well, that, you can just look. Can't you just look at somebody and tell they work out? You can look at some people and say, that person values fashion. That, they take care of themselves. They go, and you can look at other people and go, wow, they don't value fashion at all, right? You can look at some people and go, they look good. And you look at other men and say, their wife dresses them. Because if not, they could, I'm, I'm telling the truth. You can look at people and tell certain things. And Daniel said, just, just give it 10 days and look at us. And the tenant walks back in. He looks at Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the other guys. And he goes, I mean, y'all definitely look better than these guys right here. And so the Bible goes on to say, so, so after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided 
for others. And, and the story could end there and we could say, yay, Daniel, you did the right thing and way to go and you know, do the right thing. But watch what happens because this is a little bit insane. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, all the young men was Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and all the other guys in the program. But watch this. This, is, this, blew, this blew my mind. It's the first time I've ever seen it, and I've been reading the Bible for just about all my life. This blew my mind. No one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Watch this. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them 10 times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. 10 days for 10 times the wisdom. 10 days. See, see when we give God, it, it, you would be blown away at what God could do in your life in just 10 days. They gave God 10 days and God gave them 10 times. See, they couldn't have earned that on their own. That was a blessing and a gift from God. When we do the next right thing, it might not happen immediately, but it will always happen eventually because God always comes through for people that will make the decision to do the next right thing. 10 times. What would it look like to do the next right thing until February the 28th? That's 10 days. Next 10 days, you do the next right thing. What would that look like? Because you can tell. You can tell when people have made the decision to do the next right thing. I was in the first timers area about a month ago. And this lady came walking in and her son was with her. And um, I could tell, I could tell by looking at her that she was dealing with cancer. And yeah, because my mother went through a battle with cancer and, and this lady um, had lost her hair and she, had, she didn't have a lot of color in her face, and, but she, she was smiling. And her son was, he was just messed up. He was so, he was grieving. And I, I said, how you doing, ma'am? And she smiled at me and she said, she said, I'm so good. And I'm thinking, I, I, I literally thought, well, maybe they got her on like a, a good, like help me feel good type drug or something. Obviously, her son didn't get one, and so I'm sitting out feeling bad for him, right? I said, that's good that you're feeling good. I said, um, and she said, yeah. She said, I said, I said do, you, do you have cancer? She said, oh, yeah, yeah. She said, it's stage four, it's terminal. With a smile on her face. And so I'm looking at her son, and he started crying even more. And I said, I said, I, I said ma'am, I am so sorry. She said, oh, don't be. She said, she said, if I die, I win. And she said, if God heals me and I get to stay, I win. But either way, I win. 
now I'm crying with her son. I am all messed up. I'm like, this is, and she walked out and I, I literally, on that day, I said, that is a woman who I'll bet you all her life, she's just done the next right thing. She's just done the next right thing. So much so that when she knows she's about to step into eternity, she's got so much peace and joy and hope. And I saw it and I went, God, I want faith like that right there one day. That's how, that's how strong I want my faith to be. And so, so for everybody in this room, this is my final question before we do our invitation today. The question for the day is, what is the next right thing for me? What's the next right thing for me? What is, what is the next right thing that God wants you to do? Is it to confess a sin? Is it to ask for help? Is it to, to call a friend and say, you know what, we've been fighting for way too long and we need to make up? Is it to start serving? Is it to start giving? Is it, is it something personal? Is it, to, is it to lay down the alcohol for the next 10 days? I don't know. But what's the next right thing? Because once you know what it is, the power of God that called you to it will see you through it. So Jesus, right now, I just pray that you would give us the ability to trust in you, to have the faith that we need to do that next right thing. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe you just need to say, God, help me have the kind of faith where I can take that next step and do the next right thing. God, help me to trust in you. Help me to believe in you. Help me to have the faith I need to have to do what you've called me to do. Thank you, Jesus, that you've never failed us and you've never left us. We can trust in you. Jesus, we thank you today that there's an empty tomb to remind us that you've never failed. Right now, with heads bowed and eyes closed all over this house, just make that commitment to the Lord that you'll do the next right thing. And if you don't know what it is, ask him to reveal it to you because he will. Maybe you're here this morning and You've never prayed to receive Christ and that's the next right thing for you to do. You need to ask Jesus to come into your life. You need to give your life to Christ, become a Christian. And today is the day that you need to take that step. So if that's you all over this room, watching online, if you know you need to pray to receive Christ, I wanna lead you in a prayer from this stage and I wanna invite you to pray it with me, but I'm gonna invite you to pray it, repeat it back out loud because that's how we do it here at Second Chance but not alone because our entire Second Chance family is gonna pray this with you so that you'll know you're stepping into a relationship with Jesus supported by every single person in this room. So if you need to pray to receive Christ, you pray this with me and Second Chance fam, let's make sure they don't pray it alone. Just say, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. I am a sinner and I need you as a savior. So come into my life and take over. I declare you as Lord. I surrender all. In Jesus' name I pray. Now with heads still bowed and eyes still closed all over this room, if you just prayed to receive Christ, before you leave today, I wanna to pray with you and I wanna pray for you. So do me a favor right now. 
if you just prayed that prayer, ask Jesus in your life, would you just hold up your hand and just keep it up high? Amen. That was quick. Thank you, sir. Keep them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. I want to see them. Praise God. Amen. Right here on my left. This is amazing. Wow. Wow. Jesus, may we never take for granted what you do in this place. I pray for every single person that prayed to receive you today, that as they walk out these doors today, Jesus, they would just know they are forgiven, they are loved, and God, that you are the one, the only one that can give us that peace that passes all understanding. For all of us today, Jesus, as we leave, may we just commit to do the next right thing. Thank you for the power to do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody that agreed said, amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Me too, I love you guys. Don't miss next Sunday. Y'all have a great day.